Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode six of the official Nerd to Talk podcast, Geek Speak. I'm your host, Sean, and joining me as always on this superhero-filled episode is my co-host, Josh, basically Marshall Erickson, Rudy Rudolph. This is the podcast where we watch movies, make movies, play games, and more. What else can you ask for? For all of you wondering why he thinks I'm Marshall Erickson, I am a giant. I I try to be the best person ever, but I've not met a woman that's in college that's become my wife and first girlfriend. That, that's, that, that's, that step still has not happened yet. I've not met my wife yet. It's a very interesting way to phrase that. <laughs> Look, I couldn't, I couldn't think of the words and you don't want me to use um and like, so I got to not try to use those. I like the first thing you said was, I'm a giant. I mean, is this a lie? And... I tell you, the best person ever. Are you saying that Marshall's the best person ever? I think that he's one of the best people in that group, if not the best. He, oh, he's definitely, in that group, he's the best person. He goes Marshall, then Ted, then Barney's at the bottom. I'd say then Robin, <laughs> then Lily, then Barney. Yeah. Watch anything good lately? Ah, I'm glad you asked this because I pulled up my letterbox uh, to look at this. Cause, yes, because I've watched a lot since the last episode we recorded. Um, so this is kind of a lighting quick round. Um, I watched the third Diary of a Wimpy Kid movie, Dog Days, um, because I just want because I never saw that one in theaters when I was a kid. So I was just like, I'll see it uh, again. It's fine. It's something amazing. It's not the masterpiece wait, wait, that wait. is Roderick Rules. Yay or nay? I think I'll give it a yay. It has enough funny parts um, that I can recommend it. Superhero movie, that Drake Bell parody superhero movie that came oh. out in 2008. Yeah. Like Scoob. <laughs> Aside from everything that's happened with Drake Bell recently, this is a terrible movie on all fronts. But what makes it amazing is that the writer and director of it wrote, created the HBO show Chernobyl and is creating The Last of Us show on HBO. So I just find it amazing how he goes from bottom of the barrel garbage like this to Chernobyl and Last of Us. That's amazing. Oh, Fast Furious 5, 6, and 7, uh, those are all good. Uh, hey Man's Wife's Bodyguard, pretty funny. I very much enjoyed it. I like that. I was uh, at a movie, th- movie theater the other day, and on the marquee it said "Hitman's Wife." That's all it said. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like yep, it's a movie, but <laughs> that works. I watched a kung fu indie comedy, uh, "The Paper Tigers." Highly recommend checking that one out. I rewatched Tom Holland's uh, Apple movie uh, "Cherry." Fantastic. I saw Kevin Hart's new Netflix movie "Fatherhood." Surprisingly good. 
And then yesterday I rewatched the first Terminator movie and just rewatching that in like a month or so ago, having seen Dark Fate again, it, it really makes me sad. Just like the heights that this series started at and now to like the bottom of the barrel that it has gotten to, like just recycling everything and not doing anything new. Just put this series out of its misery. The first Terminator movie is so good. It's so good. You haven't seen T2, right? I've not yet. I watched the first. Ah. I know, I know. I watched the first Terminator in 2018. I'm like, this is incredible. How I've not seen this yet. Uh, I, should... I think I and everyone else can tell you, you only need to see the first two. You don't need to see the other ones. <laughs> but it'd be kind of fun to go through and just watch them all for this, you know? Yeah, I guess. So, Josh. Yes. I've watched almost nothing. <laughs> uh, well, you kind of had, I... had a good reason yeah, for I it. I have not. an excuse. Well, actually, not a great excuse because I should have just watched stuff the whole time. The reason that last last week came out about four Fridays later than it normally would. And it only comes, like, the beginning of the week, like, Sunday through Tuesday is usually when the episodes come out. And then it came out, I think, Friday. Because I actually had surgery last Tuesday on my chest. Pretty intense. So I've been resting up. I've been doing things and trying to catch up on life a little bit right now. I did start season six in the Bojack Horseman. Woo! Sadness. Have, Sadness abound. I have, like, nine episodes left of that show. That's it. Oh, boy. Oh boy. At least it wasn't like when me and Taj first watched it because they split the last season up into two parts and released them like several months apart from one another. This might be worse then because I'm binging it all at once. So I don't know. You get a mandatory break. Yeah, but there is like a point like around halfway through. I don't remember what episode it is, but it's just like when that was the last episode for that part. It's just like, oh, I need to finish it now. You'll know what I mean when you get to it. All right. Uh, I also watched... Episodes one through three so far, the good place season season one. Yay! I had watched about half-ish the first season before, like years ago. I know the end of the first season twist. I'm not gonna say what it is. It'll be interesting getting there for me, mm -hmm. and moving past that. I'm I don't know anything else besides that one thing. All right, that's good. Want to know a fun fact about Kite Man? <laughs> Random segue, but yes, this is. It's not enough. It's not for, a segue. <laughs> no, it's not enough for a super weird story, but I found it interesting. So, you know how the turtles are kind of like canonically, but not canonically, really tied to the uh, Daredevil. Yes, it's similar to that, but with the Peanuts gang. Ah. Uh... <laughs> so, it, also, if you don't know who Kite Man is in the comics, he's a uh, like F-list Batman villain. He is not. <laughs> He's all he has a flies a kite. That's what he does. Just just watch the animated Harley Quinn show and you will immediately fall in love with Which this character. We will be talking about later for one thing. Uh, Yay! All right. So Kite Man. Do you know what his actual name is without looking it up? No. Charlie Brown. He couldn't take the bullying anymore, so he became Kite Man, the one thing that he could never do successfully. That's actually pretty much his origin story. Oh in, my in god, DC that's Comics, amazing. A, a little boy named Charles Brown, Charlie Brown, um, was bullied and kept getting his kite uh, stuck in a tree and taken away from him, pretty much. So he decided to embrace that when he grew up as a villain and became Kite Man. But he's too nice to be a, a good villain. So Charlie Brown, and also... It's more implied because in the media, like, uh, for instance, the Harley Quinn show, because I watch how meta it is, you'd think they would make a Charlie Brown joke, 
but they don't because they don't have a Charlie Brown or Peanuts comics in that world because he is Charlie Brown. That is amazing. I love that. See, it's not enough for a whole Super Weird Story segment, but it's really funny. I hope that in season three of Harley Quinn, they, they do something with that. Like, it's such a golden opportunity, like, to not take it. Well, they probably never can because of the fact that if in the world he is Charlie Brown, it would make sense to poke fun at. Because... Like, they could say something, he could, like, something, like, talk about, like, his dog or something like that and, like, the That's people fair. that he once knew. Like, I wonder how Linus is doing or, like, something like that and just throw away. Uh-huh. Uh, it's not, like, canonically 100% is Peanuts Charlie Brown, but it's heavily implied he is. Uh-huh. And I love that. All That's right. great. So we watched DCOMs. <laughs> We've, we watched a DCOM today for sure. Okay, Josh, what is a DCOM and why do we watch them? A DCOM is a short acronym for Disney Channel Original Movie. And we do them because we want to analyze how Disney uh, markets and caters towards children with their own programming. And we're just going back from the beginning of time of the Disney Channel movies, uh, working our way through present day. And today, the beginning of time as in 1997. Yes, that's that's when time started. Was 1997. Oh, cool. Nothing before then. And today's movie was one that I had no idea what we were getting oh, ourselves into. It is called Can of Worms. It was released in 1999, right at the end of the millennium. My birth year. Now, this movie, when you said that you had no idea what we were getting into, what you're meaning to say is we opened up a can of worms. Yes. You missed a joke because, there. Yeah. Get it? Metaphor. So, this movie, there's no worms in this movie. We thought it'd be a cool How to Eat Fried Worms alien movie, and it's not that. It's not that, and I was thoroughly disappointed by that. But I was not disappointed by this movie at all. Not in the slightest. Before we get into into the movie, I want to give this a hard yay. This is my favorite decom we've watched so far. Oh, easily. It is easily my favorite. It just goes for the insanity the whole time, and it's just like, I'm, I'm... I like this. This is great. <laughs> you Lucky Dog was number one for me, and now it's this. So sorry, uh, Kurt Cameron. You've been... Sorry, Dogman. You've gotten, you've gone down even more. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When it go, when DCOMs go for the pure insanity like this and You Lucky Dog, it works really well. But when it's something like Xenon, it's, it's not good. <laughs> See, the difference in things like this and like Halloween Town, though, is this movie doesn't treat it like a theme park. It's not showing oh, no. you. It's not showing you. Oh look, aliens! It's like no, we actually have a story we're trying to follow, and the aliens are servicing the story. Yeah, I and think it works. I, I think it works, and I I think because how it works is that the writer of the book, because this is based on a book, she wrote the screenplay for this. As far as I'm aware, it seems to follow the narrative like somewhat well. Like there's characters that I actually like, like, and compared to Xenon, that. I think had a plot. Also, um, we're not hating on Xenon. For us, that is the le- the least amazing decom we've watched at the ones we watched so far. Like Xenon was this very basic sci-fi movie for very small children. They'll very much enjoy that. But if you're older than like six, you're probably not gonna find a whole lot to enjoy it. But this. At any age, you will both find enjoyment, and you will get waking nightmares, the likes of which that you had never dreamed of. Hey, Josh, this movie was fun, major. Don't do not do that to me. <laughs> uh, all right, so first things first. I also like the way the story is structured in this. I was, <laughs> I was actually confused at the I beginning of what it... Because I thought my brain, like, read two weeks later, not two weeks earlier. Oh. So I was just like, wait, I'm confused. What's happening? Then I realized, oh... I'm just an idiot. And I realize it's about 20 minutes in. Before we get into 
any notes we have. I told you before you can describe what this movie is about. And do we need, we need a more in-depth synopsis than usual? Because my friends actually asked for more details about the movies we watched. Because it's these are very obscure films to just talk about. Yes. Okay. okay. So the film begins with our protagonist, Mike. He's wearing like this makeshift tuxedo. There's a storm outside. He's messing with a satellite. And he makes a message to call out to the aliens out in space to come pick him up because he hates Earth. He hates life. He does not be- believe that he belongs on Earth. The message gets sent out. The satellite's destroyed. Then we flash back to two weeks ago. And we see exactly why. We find out he's this kid tech genius prodigy thing. Basically, he just knows how to work a computer in the late 90s, which apparently was not something a whole lot of people knew how to do. Um, which, there's on. a girl. Which was confusing because yes. that was a plot point in Xenon as well. They, that, like, computer tech quizzes seem like for kids, seem to be all, all over the place. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> He's got a friend and his little brother that he tells stories to about aliens and stuff. There's a girl in his computer class that he likes. They start to work on a project together. But in the meantime, he's on the football team because, you know, football and sports. But he sucks at it because he is a nerd and nerds are terrible at sports. He and the girl start working on this project. But then the jock that likes her decides that he's going to sabotage this project for a dance. And so the whole dance thing gets sabotaged. Mike blames himself. And then that's when he sends out the message to the aliens. And the next day happens. I think that's probably a good start. So first off, do you believe Mike's an alien? Because I do. I don't. It's left open-ended, but it's confusing. I want an actual answer. Hmm. We're diving deep into the can of worms uh, mythos here. And he has all these fun stories about aliens. And he draws them. And then he meets an alien that was his drawing and his story. And it's confusing. Because it's like it implies that there's more to his stories that there's not just what yeah i never got that impression i just got the impression that he was a really emo kid that hated everything and that he was just he got really lucky with his drawing of the aliens <laughs> it was too exact but the origin he gave in the original story was like oh superman cool yeah i thought it was funny because i thought if they were gonna go with mike actually being an alien that would work really well because he also played football like clark kent did in high school fun fact clark kent did that my fr- my first computer note, because I have several notes about computers in this movie. My first note is, how in the hell in the late 90s did an audio recorder perfectly translate him to text, when even today I can't get my voice to text to understand anything I say? When did that happen? I don't remember that movie, actually. That was that was when he was sending the message to the aliens. He was uh, using a, right. the voice to text thing on his computer and did type it out. It typed it out perfectly. But today, you just try to do that on your phone. It mistakes cheese with, like, cicadas in, chi- in chili or something like that. Cheese and cicadas. New band name. Yeah, this movie, he's in a class? Computer class. Which, this entire scene is really weird. Mike is in computer class and... The girl he happens to think is cute, who's a cheerleader, immediately is like, I like this boy back too. He's different. So I'm going to sit next to him. And then she did. And he's like, whoa, never would that happen to me. And it did happen. So that's cool. Wow. And then to impress her and make fun of the bully, whose name is Schreiber? That's a dumb name. I think that's just his last name, but everyone just calls him Schreiber. But they never give him a first name, ever. And I think that's just really, it's always Schreiber. So they, in this dumb computer scene, there's kind of a weird sex that happens. So to get the teacher out of the room for him to do a, a prank, that for Mike wants to do a prank on Schreiber to make himself feel better about himself and va- self-validation and class validation. 
to do that, he, from his computer, sends an email to the teacher, but labels it from the principal, saying, I've been thinking of you every day and night. Basically, like, I want you. And she gets all hot and heavy and immediately leaves. What? Is the cl- she is horny as hell and wants to bang the principal. This but movie what makes- feels horny. What makes this moment even more amazing is if you pay attention to the dance, she walks in with a guy. I think that was the principal. So they must have gotten it on in the office for them to have shown up at the dance together. Yeah, it actually, it had to have worked. Otherwise, it would have come right back. There would have been a whole scene of her being like, that was fake. Like in like, uh, what's Big Fat Liar kind of scene. Yeah. That didn't happen. So it had to have actually worked out in some way. That's just amazing to me. So good for her. Good for Mike for setting them up. <laughs> Yeah, for him. I want to talk about the football scene in the beginning. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> My first note is this kid is going to die because him compared to everyone else, he is so much shorter and scrawnier than everyone else. I'm just like one tackle and like your back is going to break in like 50 different ways. And then my next note is this is the saddest example of football I've ever seen in my life. My favorite thing from this scene, though, is uh, he gets, like, pummeled by, like, 50 dudes and probably has a concussion. And so then the coaches and uh, some players and then, like, the medical guy, they're all standing over him, checking him out. And then you hear someone off screen saying, is he okay? Then the medical guy shakes his head, uh, yes. And then someone says, okay, let's go. They just leave him. No one helps him up or anything. And then, to make it even better, his family, like, comes over and they come over to him while he's still lying on the ground with a concussion. They're just like, ah, hey, you'll do better next time. Don't worry. You got, you got this. And they still leave him. They don't bother helping him up. The best it's... part of that scene is his sister asks, is he dead? And then says to her dad, can I have a CD collection? See, Not I love any him. remorse or sadness if he is dead. Just awesome. Cool. Fuck yeah, I get his CDs. I, I love it when they write children in kids' movies, like how they would actually be, like especially as siblings, because that is a very sibling thing to do. I had another thing. Um, ah, I had a note of another thing that she says. Why can't I Why find it? Ah, it's, it's somewhere. I'll find it. She says, it's good that he suffers. Yep, that was the one. Mike's little sister, who then immediately asked him for help with homework, says that right after. I think it's pretty funny. Um, but back to the football area scene, actually right right after that, Mike tells a story in a treehouse, which is a really cool treehouse, by the way, mm-hmm. to uh, his best friend, who also should believe him more often. He really like, should. He just by default thinks, oh, my, my friend's kind of insane. Cool. No. So his, to his best friend and his best friend's little brother, I wrote that little kid is adorable because he says, but you're a really interesting person. What if she really is there? Like, the he's so sincere, and I love the way he talked, and it was just like, that's an adorable little brother. I'd love to have like, as like a little brother like that. That's really mm-hmm. cute. The, my only thought during that moment, because Mike's younger sister comes in and says, uh, hey, that girl you like, she's in your house. Like, she's in your room right now. They don't believe her at first, and I just thought it would be so funny if they never actually went right. to the house to check it out. I thought that would be hilarious if they did that. That's why I expected it to happen, because if you say, I don't believe you, you're making it up, then why would you go check? And then he's like, but what if she is there? Thank you, little guy. The little cute kid saved the day there. <laughs> I also wrote this movie feels really horny, like just throughout. 
Like, yeah, it's really weird how much it is. I'm sorry, but I have a note here. This is one of the most, probably the most random thing in the movie that I still don't have an explanation for. After school, Mike comes home and his mom is like fiddling with the TV and like it's on a German <laughs> Oktoberfest polka dance kind of thing. And she's just like enjoying it. I'm just like, what is this? Why are you watching this? It's what? I, I have no words to explain what that was. Uh, Mike's parents could not survive without him in this technolo- technological world. At all. Oh no! Mike in this is voiced by a kid, from, uh, one of the characters from Recess. He plays the hustler kid. If you watch the show Recess, and Caitlin's actress, uh, like ten years later, starting a show called Parenthood, which I've watched like three seasons of, and I've been telling Josh to watch it for years. I'm busy with millions of other shows right now, sir. Have I will I, get to it eventually. Have I led you wrong with a show yet? no exactly although with both shows chuck and how i met your mother it took me a collective probably two years to finish both of those it's true and they're not that long shows they're, they're not i'm just lazy well next up uh, i wrote in all caps caitlin wanted the d so badly just like she before... is this is this is this like right before the dance like yes. um when she's giving him like all the signs you could possibly give and he's just delirious like he just has no idea like what she's like what she's doing at all i'm like dude she wants it just do it so caitlin is a cute girl at who mike had an interest in with she's a cheerleader and everyone likes this girl like schreiber the bully guy likes this girl too and she's like out of his league but she's also into computers and is impressed Whoa. by him what a cute girl who's smart too wild and so they have to put a dance together it's kind of confusing on how it just comes about but it, it does and they pick a dance together uh, for school for like a halloween dance or costume party dance yeah this movie is is technically a halloween, halloween movie because it but, takes place right around halloween right so they put this dance together but before it happens she is all over him oh yeah and he's like i get a feeling when around to you she's like oh what is that like it's it's not like literally that but it's that level of i'm trying to get in with you just kiss me now and there's not a single kiss in the movie surprised by that i was so shocked like you think by the end like they would have but they didn't like you literally went into space together i also love in that same scene shriver comes in the bully man who's a football player who Mike pulled a prank on in computer class. He came in. He's he also described his perfection many times in this movie, even though he's a, a shit. He's a shitty person. So that's not perfect at all. Great at computers and also a star athlete. I'm like, that's just two things. Also, great yeah. computers in the 90s is like you can use Google or whatever search engine. You could, you could use the internet. Congrats, AOL. And also you play football. Cool. That doesn't make you a good person or at all perfection. And that shows because he's like the scene happened I mean, the before the dance when then Caitlin and Mike are working together. He comes in, asks her, do you want to get food? And and she's like, yeah, well, I can eat. And I was like, come on, Mike, let's go. And he's like, did I inv- I didn't invite Mike. And he, Mike's like, all right, cool. And then she's like, actually, I don't want to get food anyway. And I love that so much. Because not only does it stick it to Schreiber as I just want to hang out with Mike right now, but it also, it's like a thing that MJ in Spider-Man 1 would not do. She wouldn't do that at all. It's just like, but you want to, but why not? It really bothered me in Spider-Man 1 when MJ was like being a dick to Peter all the time for no reason, like just abandoning him for other people. It's like, 
Wait, are hate... we talking about Spider-Man One or Spider-Man Two? Because it's kind of if it, if because it's kind of both. Kind of both, but like like that seemed like oh, Flash is here, I gotta go. Like it's the same kind of vibe. Yeah, and that's what I thought we were gonna do with Caitlin. And they didn't do that, and I loved it. It felt more way more real. Oh yeah. No, I'm actually doing hanging out with a friend right now. I'm not gonna just abandon them. Like to a bully, like that's not gonna happen. That made way more sense. Felt more authentic, and also made her feelings and her way she was acting make sense too. Because mm-hmm. she acted acted like, oh, I'm so into you. And like, I'm going to ditch you. It doesn't make sense. And then Mike finally gets it after uh, he after Schreiber leaves. They t- they talk a bit. And then he's like, hey, you want to go get some food? And then she says, yes. And she's like, my man, Mike, you finally get it. The best part of that scene is the way it's phrased is like, you know, I'm kind of hungry. You know, I'm kind of hungry, too. Or something like that. It was very cute the way they phrased uh, it. The dialogue in this movie is actually really well done for this kid's movie. Yeah. Because, like, um, usually, like, high schoolers in most teen movies or even DCOMs, it's very predictable. This is not how teenagers talk at all to one another in real life. And take that take that as you will. Like, sometimes it can work to its advantage in a weird way with Riverdale because it's insane. And then it could have the complete opposite effect with stuff like Tall Girl. That's kind of like this movie. The first, like, 30 minutes is a high school romantic comedy, and then it becomes a sci-fi movie, kind of out of nowhere. Yeah, it's a run little kids movie, and then all of a sudden it's just like, wait, what is happening now? We're in a, a, a law case when space, it's it, weird. It gets real weird, real fast, and I love it. So, the but dance. Schreiber's master evil plan, because he wanted to sabotage Mike and, like, just ruin the dance and be like, haha, Mike's a loser. And so his master plan was just to reverse the thing that they built, because, like, it went one way with, like, the music going, like, you know, normal, and Schreiber just made it go in reverse with the music going in reverse. That was it. That was his whole master evil plan. You really couldn't have figured out anything else? This dance goes wrong. And then for some reason he gets sprayed by a fire extinguisher. Well, it's because the computer teacher like was pointing out the fire, and I think that he just kind of got like a blast of it, um, like as she was spraying it down. Turn away. Yeah, he like, kept spraying right on him. I, I don't know. But the the thing that confused me the most um, was the lead up to the opening scene of him, uh, like you know, contacting the aliens. But the thing was is that. Did they actually establish that's what it was for in the beginning? Because we see him in the beginning fiddling with it, trying to make some measurements. Did he ever say or imply that it was to contact aliens? It was the exact scene again. Well, no, 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 not that. Because after the very beginning scene of we see him contacting, when we flash back, there's a scene of him messing and toying with it, just trying to figure out, let's move it up here, let's move it down here. I don't remember if he ever said, like, what its purpose was. Oh, I, I... Don't remember. I think the rearranging of the scene, though, in the beginning, was meant to so we already knew what was going to happen there. So it wouldn't have been even jarring anyway. I'm not yeah. sure. I watched yeah, this movie once, kind of... Josh. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it once, but it has not left my brain at all today. And then after this situation, Caitlin's kind of a jerk to him all of a sudden. So we're going yeah, to gonna skip we... forward to now after the dance and humiliation. And he, oh, wait, he, before I do that. The first scene, yeah, he calls them to aliens, and that's what happens. After the dance, he gets so humiliated, he makes a machine in the storm, crying in a tuxedo, calls out, saying to any aliens, take me away, I don't want to be on this world anymore, I don't belong here. And lightning and strikes like, it, and it works. Yeah, and my note for that was, you're a 15-year-old in high school, what kind of Minutemen bullshit is this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Minutemen. 
that's a movie we'll get to eventually um yes minute is better as a child they also kept saying he had superior intelligence so he was a, probably an actual genius for one thing aside from like him building the thing for the dance like we never actually see oh i am a genius i know the smarts of the particles and things uh he knew every answer to his sister's questions immediately mathematics or science whatever what he also ah. was able to build and maintain a this dish to help us tv he was able to contact aliens i think it was supposed to be even if it wasn't supposed to fully work like he made the system for it work it was more kind of a subtle thing for right. us to like see in the background okay which i think showed on tell oh uh, easily so that's great also this movie turned into you lucky dog for a, for a second <laughs> uh, my note w- was my <laughs> my note was um dog i guess <laughs> mine was literally this movie turned into you lucky dog for a second because it did the, the, this dog from space with the translator collar why was the translator a literal moving mouth? mouth? Why was it that? that? I hated that. Uh, like, why could you not do what Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs did and just use, like, a little baby monitor? Like, why did you have to make the mouth move? Or, like, Doug from Up. Or that, too! Like, yeah. it's, it's. I guess they just wanted, like, to show kids that it's just, like, it is coming from the dog. But you did it in the most horrifying way possible. It's a pair of green lips moving with, like, lights on the sides. It's weird. No matter how we describe it, it's not going to, like, make sense until you see it for yourself. <laughs> a dog from space named Barnabas, I think his name was, voiced by a like amazing actor, by the way. Malcolm McDowell. Right. Of all people. Like, really famous actor. <laughs> voiced this, this, this dog from Planet, like, Puppies or something like that. Uh, and he came in and said, trust me. Which, Why? <laughs> I never understand it was like this. It's always the first person who comes to you is when you start trusting. Yeah, and like what makes it funny to me, just thinking about it, is that he wants to take him like to his planet to live there. Like you are a dog. My guess is that you come from a planet of dogs. What kind of living situations and food situations will you have for this human person? Yeah. Like think, think, think for a second. Like the invincible meat. Think, dog. Think. What in the bestiality would happen there? Well, that question comes up later. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Not, with the, not with the dog. Not with the no, dog. With something it, else. That, this movie has some interesting implications. <laughs> this is about halfway through the movie at this point. We're starting to see the aliens, the plot. Yeah, the aliens don't really show up until like about 40-ish minutes in. Which means also this movie is decently paced, takes its times, time. The actors are charming. This is my favorite so far. Yeah, I was like, like surprised from the beginning. I was just like, this, this hits different. I don't know what it is, but this hits different. <laughs> then of course we get really nineties things like the POV shot through the helmet playing football, but mm. overall the like it's decently made and the effects they have the practical are so puppets. Good. They have puppets on set. They're so disgusting and horrifying, but my god, they look amazing. They're so well done. All the aliens are so unique and different, and they're just. Like, one yeah, is all they're... slimy, one has eyes popping out, one is like, a floating head, and it's... They're all different, they're all really well made, they have moving parts, and it's, like, you do this for Disney Channel? Yeah, it's, wow. like, their their designs, their personalities, their backstories. Like, I want to learn more about these aliens, because it's just, like, they are so unique and weird to anything else that I've ever seen. Like, I would love to see how it all works. George Lucas could never. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> 
That being said, what are you talking about? He made Jar Jar I Binks. Don't think sir. I like. I didn't like almost any of the aliens' personalities at all, besides maybe Barnabas the dog. They were all like, "Ah, I'm gonna exploit ya." The aliens are just capitalism. That's all it was. I find that refreshing because just like a lot of times when you see like aliens like in the real world, it's just kind of like, ah, I want to take over the world. No, I just want to exploit him for their own gain. And I kind of enjoy that. You said aliens in the real world. You know, in most things, it's just like, ah, humans and aliens. The aliens just want to take over the world. This, now they want to make money off this bitch. Right. It was very funny. We'll make a TV show out of you. We'll do your case. We'll make you millions. It's like, wait, what? And then there's just the female alien starfish thing that just wanted to fuck him. Yeah. What was that? What? I think it's best to never find out. I wrote down what's with the sensual floating head alien. It is a pink amphibious looking alien with like squid tentacles for its bottom. And its head has like a fin on it. And it's talking. It, who is the voice actor? I couldn't figure it out. I, th- I think it's Tara Strong. I, think I could, it is be, too. could be wrong on that. Uh, give me a second to look it up. It sounded like her. That's why I thought it sounded like Harley Quinn mixed with like Timmy Turner, and that's both her. So I, I like that. It was really weird. It was Tara Strong. Okay. Thanks, Tara Strong, for frightening me more, more than you ever have. <laughs> that was a very weird uh, decision to make a pink floating sensual head try and hit on this like 14-year-old kid. She's like, I'm going to have my way with you. And it's like, what is happening? Oh, so let's talk about what I said about before about Caitlyn being a jerk to him. The The day after the dance happens, he goes back to school. He walks up to her, just like a talk or something. She looks at him and goes, um, what? That was yeah, the I, first response out of her mouth. My thought process for it was she was around her friends and like everyone was being an asshole to him so she was just kind of like oh i want to keep my friends because you know high schoolers are assholes and so it was kind of that but i think there's also a part of her that like did kind of blame him for what happened so i bet there there's some truth to it but i don't think that she like fully meant it but still it was very out out there and out of nowhere yeah because then later she like calls him and like you know wants to apologize and like start over as friends again after mike talks to barnabas the dog then a slimy monster comes out of a all of a sudden new created vent, uh, drips on him, looks like vomit, and just keeps, keeps talking. Eats his burger. Then it kind of explodes in gas and juices while he's on a phone with Caitlin. And Caitlin's all like, well, you okay? Let's talk. Let's hang out. Let's let's make up. Let's. I'm sorry I abandoned you. She says a line that says about going back to being friends. You were never, like, not friends. Yeah, like, your relationship never got past that point. At least from what we saw. Well, it, it, it even didn't even get to a point where it was like, we're no longer friends anymore. It yeah, was, it's just like, you were the one that was mad at him. Let's go back to being friends. You didn't, to his knowledge, that's the first he probably heard of not being friends. So that's not great to hear. But Slimy Monster dripped down and, like, ruined this call and made her made a miscommunication which he then said it was a plumber, a gassy plumber. And like, oh, uh, why is Caitlin so mad at him? Because he then goes to her house to explain what happened. And she's being a jerk again. Yeah, like, like she's, she's no holding reason. way too much. She's holding way too much of a grudge for him. For how well written she was like in the beginning, it just kind of turns a 180 like real hard for no reason. They wanted to have a conflict with him and his friends, but they didn't write a conflict with him and his friends. Yeah. With his nerdy friend, it was just like he doesn't believe him because he's talking about aliens. His friend doesn't see him. And then with this, it's just miscommunication is all it is. And it's way blown out of proportion. 
Oh, so much. His lie of like it being a plumber, he was reacting like I think how most people would if there was a really gassy plumber just messing everything up. And she got mad at him for that. <laughs> yeah. He also could just say, can I talk later? Or she could say, yeah. we can or she could say, we can talk later. And that's it. But conflict. When things go wrong, she goes to his house. So she's clearly still trying to be friends with him. Yes. She, even though she's putting up a, a huge huff about everything. And she's like, but actually, I'm going to go to your house and see how you're doing. Because you're being crazy. He's packing a bag to leave Earth. <laughs> At this moment, she walks in on him, packing a bag to leave the planet. At this point, also, his friend now believes him because he's seen aliens too. His, uh, his best yes. friend. His boy, his male best friend. He, he was there when Starfish Alien uh, wanted to get down and dirty with him. Right. And the, when all the aliens came, he was like, let's exploit you. And so she's like, what is happening? He's still being honest and blunt. I'm just yeah. going out of here. And his friend's like, I wish I could tell you he's a lunatic, but he's not. <laughs> Why do you wish you could tell me he's a lunatic? Why do you wish you could say it to someone? You know, I wish I could say my best friend's a lunatic, but I can't say it because he's actually being honest. That's, that's true friendship. That. That's true friendship right there. <laughs> Josh, you're a lunatic. There, I said it. Aw, thanks, buddy. Uh-huh. What is his friend's name? I do not remember for it the was, life of me. I don't think it was said, or it barely was if it was. IMDB. It doesn't matter. Nick. Okay, that maybe was said once. And then all of a sudden, giant alien shit happens. Yes. An alien with a very long tongue snatches up his friend's younger brother. My favorite thing about this is that I think it was Barnabas that comes back and says, ah, he's been taken to like the worst alien possible. We need to go save him, but we need bait because Mike doesn't want to like, you know, get taken. And so my thought for what they were going to do was they were just going to get uh, Schreiber um, and just like use him, like kind of, kind of like switch them out, like put him like in that alien zoo prison and take the little brother back and leave him there. I thought that's the route they were going to go. And that would have been hilarious if so, they did. Speaking of Schreiber going to this alien zoo prison, they get Schreiber as the bait for this, for this frog alien called a, th- a throg, throd. It's thode. Thode, okay. They get Schreiber to do this by saying, I dare you. <laughs> this is... Bill, his ego is so fragile he's going to risk his life and go to a different planet because uh, I'm not a coward that's it that's literally it I love they try to make him off as, as like not this kind of normal jock but saying like ah he's a smart guy he knows how to work computers and stuff and then you go and pull that pick one or the other you can't have him both be smart and also be an idiot <laughs> but again this movie actually really was well structured and that kind of worked everything, everything in this movie that shouldn't have worked kind of worked and I think the reason for that is the director of this also directed You Lucky Dog. <gasps> and, bef- really? and before I'm not kidding. And I think before we watched this, that was the one that had like the best story and structure out of all of them. So I and think we have to get the credit now. to him. And way happier now. And they have a weird zoo. That's a fun thing, an alien zoo. It very much was like the collector from Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, my first note when they walk into, like, his zoo, there's a giant T-Rex skeleton. I was like, so this alien killed the dinosaurs. That's neat. <laughs> That's amazing. I didn't, think, I didn't think about that. I thought there was, like, another kind of alien that was like that. I also thought it was really funny because they could have reused the exact ending from Sky High. Let me explain. So in the end, my alternate enemy became my best friend. And my best friend became my girlfriend. But hey, that's high school. That was the exact same scenario that happened here. So you're saying that Can of Worms was ahead of its time? Yes, because Sky High also is not a DCOM technically because it went to some theaters. It is. 
It is not a decom at all, and it's a great movie. It is fantastic, and Kurt Russell gives his all. Uh, this movie is fun, and it's also a yay from both of us. Frogman's true form of because he first shows up as like a human, and then like he transforms his actual self. He is in a giant frog costume, and my first note was, man, the budget for Amazing Spider-Man was not as high as I thought it was. The suit that they used with this giant villain alien was good enough quality to make me think it looked like it belonged in Doctor Who. Yeah, like with the other aliens, the prosthetic makeup is really good. I'm so curious, like what the budget on this was and how they were able to do everything. So overall, yay for both of us, I think. Oh, easily. Now, we actually have news now, Josh. A lot of it. This is most of the we, podcast's news. We've, we've got a lot of news. <laughs> Where to begin? And some will take... I don't... <gasps> so, first bit of news, as tradition on this podcast... <laughs> Knives Out 2 has more casting revealed. What? This, what? It's not a real podcast week if we don't have Knives Out 2 or J.J. Abrams news. Exactly. I will say, though, we got a kind of a one-two punch with this. Because at first, it was reported that Mr. Bean himself, Rowan Atkinson, was going to be in the movie. But apparently, that's not the case anymore. And I it, wish that Mr. Bean was going to be in Knives Out 2 as Mr. Bean. Because if that wasn't no, the case, instead, there was this all been for. It should have been as his character from Scooby-Doo, the movie. Yes! Even better! Uh, it's tied into Scooby-Doo! Then the third movie, it's him teaming up with Scooby-Doo! You bring back the entire cast. Bring them all back. But this casting of Jessica Henwick, who I know from the first season of Iron Fist, which I watched most of, she was good in that. So I'm fine with He's, this casting. I, I haven't finished Iron Fist yet. I have seen her in... I've seen her in The Defenders. She was great in that. Um, I saw her in Love and Monsters recently. She was great in that. I have yet to see her in Game of Thrones, but I've heard she's good in that. So just hearing that she's in this, I'm excited. She's also going to be in The Matrix 4, so that also makes me excited. Fine. The obligatory nay. Okay, for those who do not know, <laughs> we are giving all knives out to news and nay on principle that it should go to theaters, but instead it's going to streaming. So no matter how much how great the casting is, we have to give it a nay. ScarJo is terrified in, in a tower. <laughs> so, Scarlett Johansson and Disney team up for a Tower of Terror movie based on the famous ride, and Toy Story 4 director Josh Cooley is penning the script. Um, that's pretty cool. I... You see, my thing with Disney and making uh, movies based off of their rides, you've only hit the jackpot once, once on that. With right. the first Pirates of the Caribbean, then you have the first Haunted Mansion movie, you have the upcoming Jungle Cruise. I have no idea what that's going to be like, but I'm not looking forward to it. And probably many others that I just do not care about. I remember initially liking Haunted Mansion as a child, but I've not watched it since I was probably like four or five. Same. So I don't remember anything about it besides Eddie Murphy's in it. Correct. If you do this I'm, right, this could be actually awesome. The idea of a horror movie for kids, like, is not a bad thing, and getting the director of Toy Story 4 to write this, that's also not a bad thing. Getting Scarlett Johansson to star in it, that's also not a bad thing. You just need to find the right story to tell with it that makes it a fun and entertaining movie that can be scary at times, but nothing too terrifying. Nothing like Coraline. Coraline, no, that that's too terrifying for children. Yeah, I think if you approach this very much like Goosebumps, it'll work out great. Oh, yeah. Goosebumps is great. So, I love that movie. Or, like, I mean, like, I meant like the Goosebumps series, but that works too. I'm giving this a, a, a yay. I'm not excited for this, but the idea of, of maybe Goosebumpsy Tower of Terror seems fun. 
I'm giving this a nay for now. Um, I won't I won't change my stance on it until like more has been revealed about it. So hopefully it changes to a yay because I want to like you know support actors doing things. Right. The next bit of news is actually a trailer for Suicide Squid, Suicide Squad, uh, James Gunn movie called The Suicide Squad, is coming out eventually, and it has a trailer August again. Yes. This trailer to me is a thousand times better than the first one for me. What so, is with you not liking that first trailer? <laughs> I told you before, I'm not a huge fan of Gunn's general humor, usually. Ah. The beach of dick joke didn't land for me. Uh, I, I love Guardians that. 1. I think the humor works really well in that one. I think Guardians 2 falls flat for me, like I like a lot. So I, and it's a mixed bag for me, James Gunn. I've seen, I've seen Scooby-Doo, so I can count that kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Those are fun, so I'll count his work on those. But overall, the trailer looked great. I'm actually excited for this. I love Pete Davidson's line about, I'm sitting next to a werewolf. That was great. It looks fun. I am very excited for this because like with the first Suicide Squad, you kind of had before all the chaos happened of the reshoots and things like that. Even the first trailer, I was just like, this just looks like it's going for dark and gritty for really no reason because you have so many weird characters captain boomerang like is on the team why are you trying to make this dark and gritty and here it's very much a fun and definitely going to be lighthearted uh movie compared to the first one and i am here for that i am very excited for this i'm giving this a hard yay remember a hard yay is also a hooray i think hooray hooray is that what we call hooray. it for, for i do not remember for players too we said a hard yay is something i also have screenshots because james gunn did a q a on Instagram, and I have now official confirmations on things about the movie. Yay! He was asked, who would you say is the main character of the, Su- the Suicide Squad? He said there are multiple protagonists, but Bloodsport is one of the main, uh, certainly one of them. So he's implying a Bloodsport is the main character, and that's kind of fun news. Wait, did you think he was going to say Harley? Yeah. That's fun. It leads me to believe that Harley is still safe, though. Because I, feel like, oh, he would, I yeah. feel like he would kill off the main character, but wouldn't kill off Harley still. He was asked, will the Peacemaker show be as bloody as the Suicide Squad? He said, it's pretty bloody. <laughs> but we also take a lot of t- more time getting to know the characters, uh, so there's that as well. Totally, it's actually a lot different from the Suicide Squad, which is interesting. Cool. I'm fine with that. So, then he was asked, is it okay to watch the Suicide Squad movie not having seen the first one? He said, yes, you won't even have a second of confusion. So that's good for you all who do not know that answer. Yay. Watch this one blind. Here's some news is this movie taking place before or after Birds of Prey? He said after. Yeah, I could see that with how Birds of Prey ended. He was asked if Peacemaker the show will tie into the movie much. He said it's the same character along with a couple of others from the movie. Ooh. And he said same current DCEU for sure. Having other characters involved too, it's kind of be cool. He was asked, did you get final cut privileges with this movie? He said yes, the final cut is 100% mine. Yay. So no release the gun cut. Thank, thank God. Thank God. I, I can't take as another day of, of this. For the record, uh, we'll both agree that the Snyder Cut's great and that, that sh- was I'm glad it got came out. And yes. We were kind of curious to see what it'd be like, but we weren't like pushing, pushing for it. Yes. But he did deserve it. Whereas yes. David Ayer did nothing to earn a... It was still his movie for the most part. He got screwed out of a situation like Snyder, but Snyder's situation was way worse and the meddling was way worse. Right. It was still AR was directing the whole time. That was the difference. He was also asked one question I think is really interesting because he said he was asked a question, what is a character you wish you could have shown in the movie, but sadly was not or were not able to? He said he used everyone he wanted to use. 
That is insane. So he had no stragglers. Or something, like, so no one told him to DC, you can't use blank. That's really fascinating to me. Meaning, he didn't do my boy Kite Man justice and use him in the movie. Imagine if Kite Man was in this. Charlie that would Brown have been himself. Am- that would have been amazing. Uh, that is the notes for the, the Suicide Squad trailer. All right. Shazam. Shazam Lee. They have the suits. Plus they Helen all Mirren. Have new suits. Plus Helen Mirren's in this movie, and there's just been a set picture of her. I am just that set picture of her like eating like burgers with Shazam. That just made my day. I love that. We talked about Shazam's specifically his suit uh, last episode on the set yes. or two episodes ago on the set picks. I said nay then because the bolt mm-hmm. of lightning. They do look better here than they did in the set pictures originally. They just yeah. do. But David F. Sandberg was asked in a comment, "Will the chest logo still light up? Really made them different from other superhero suits." And he said. The bolts will be able to light up. We just didn't build it into the suit like we did in the first time. Had a lot of issues with it. When they need to light up, now a special light is placed on top of the suit and the rest is done with CGI. So they will uh, still light up. Still. I still prefer the other shape of like, the general triangle. Like, it was bigger. Mm-hmm. I yeah. wish the emblems were still... Like, Shazam's logo is usually his entire torso. But overall, these suits look kind of dope. I love these suits. I still wish that they had more color. But it shows the different the tonal difference for movies for sure. I think what's very interesting about this photo reveal is that all the cast is the same except right. for Mary. Mary, Mary, this time she is playing both her regular self and her adult, more better self, um, which is not how it was in the first one. And I think that is a very interesting choice that they made. But I kind of love David's response to it. He was just like, yeah, she's going to be playing both parts. But think about it like like Wonder Woman. She doesn't look any different when she's Wonder Woman. She just has makeup on in like one thing. That's basically how we're doing it here. So I thought that was interesting because I think that's kind of how they'll go forward with some characters. Maybe eventually. Who knows? Last time, I think she, I think she was 17. And now she's an adult. I'm excited to see her play both parts. It'll be interesting to see if, how, if all the kids grew up into their parts too. Yeah. I hope that stays the same except for everyone besides uh, Shazam himself. Because that would be weird to change. The, I think the weirdest thing to me about, about this movie though is that they're filming it right now. And like how with how like filming goes for a lot of these comic book movies, they're generally released like the following year. This is not coming out until 2023. I just think if you want to keep a lot of the kids the same and not have to worry about them aging... I would say release the movie as soon as possible because this is already going to be several years after they had filmed the first one. So they're already going to be significantly older. For the third one, they might just have to recast a lot of them depending on like what age they want them to be. Which sucks because the first one, all the kids like such perfect castings and looked just like the characters. Yeah. Because I think they filmed the first one in end of like 2017, around that time. And then they didn't release until spring of 2019. I'm excited. Me too. This is, this is a yay. Helen Young looks yes. great. The cast looks great. Zach looks great like he's having fun. I still prefer the old suits overall to me, but that's not... Mm-hmm. I'm not going to trash these ones because they're different. And that's that part. So next up is Pierce Brosnan. Speaking of Black Adam. So in the Black Adam film, character Dr. Fate is going to be in it and his counterpart Kent Nelson. Who should be in it? Technically speaking, very little because Doctor Fate is like is a wizard sorcerer character, a very interesting character. Because if you ever watch Ben Ten, Alien Force, it's kind of like Alien X, because he's trapped in this world. He puts in the helmet, helm of Naboo, this helmet, this golden 
helmet, and then he gets absorbed into the helm, like his whole soul and personality, and Doctor Fate takes over, and he has to be in there watching what's happening, help, and try and make decisions. He can only get out of it if Doctor Fate lets him out. That's how the character works. So we shouldn't even see Pierce Brosnan much. So getting a huge actor like that is always an odd move for that kind of mm-hmm. role, which means they'll probably change it and make that a less interesting character with that. But him wearing a mocap suit is the news with this. And okay. This kind of disappoints me. If you like any image of Dr. Fate, this is something that you could do mostly without the need of digital kind of stuff. Just slap a bucket on his head and there you go. And it seems that it's more just kind of in case of the way filming happens and things. That's why they're doing it. But that still seems weird to me that it's mocap because it looks like it could be done practically. I see this as it allows his suit to come on and off with magic easier kind of like yeah. the, kind of like green lantern now we talked to you about the other day about how that's a hard suit to do because yeah. it's meant to be not tangible so this suit in particular i also can see it. If, if you do a practical suit for this character i think you should not be wearing a helmet on the suit and do that one cgi because that is a helmet that you mm. could not see out of otherwise yeah it's just solid gold is <laughs> and like very thin eyes to see out of and his eyes are supposed to glow so like you cannot make that work very well in, with a mask. If you have a suit, do just everything besides the helmet and then just CGI the helmet. I will say, I think it would be really hilarious if we got like a behind the sets video of like Pierce Brosnan just kind of wandering around set, not really being able to see. Just kind of tripping and falling all over everything because like the his peripheral vision is just gone from the helmet. I think that'd be really funny. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen, Josh, because it's mocap. I know. I know it's not going to happen, but exactly. still, funny. Are you giving a name for that one hypothetical reason? No, I'm, I'm going to give it just kind of... I'm going to give it a nay overall. I'm a believer of, like, if you could do something practically, then you should try to do it practically. This just kind of seems like they're just going, like, eh, we're going to CG it. I'm going to give it a yay, because you can do a lot more with the, the way the magic works of the character. Mm. It's not, not like Doctor Strange where you're in robes. It is a much m- more complicated, generally speaking, suit. It makes sense to me, so I'm not... I'm indifferent, but I'm going to give it a yay because I don't... I'm more positive than negative. Uh, next up is Transformers More Than Meets the Eye. Seven. <laughs> is it really seven? Jesus. I so guess, Transform- te- technically, this is the seventh movie in okay. the Transformers series. Okay. This is Rise of the Beasts, which makes you think it's going to be about Beast Morphers. I, I believe assume. that is the case. Meaning it's not actually Optimus or any of these char- the characters we already know. Yeah, Beast Wars. So the Beast Wars is a divorce toy line because they're all toy lines. But it also is a show about like prehistoric Transformers. It's a really interesting show. The show is like all CG, like early TV CG. So it doesn't look amazing. But it's fun. Is Michael Bay involved in this? He's not directing it. I'm aware of that. There's He produced Bumblebee. So there's a chance that he could be producing this. But he is not directing this. So director Stephen Cable Jr. and producer Lorenza Di Bonaventura are working on this and stars Anthony Ramos and Dominique Fishback. Also, Anthony Ramos was just in In the Heights. So if you've seen that, which we talked about last week, he was Usnavi. Overall, I- I'm going to give it an- a nay for the reason of I don't want more Transformers things for a little bit. Like, let's wait it on it and then let it reboot as a- its own new thing. Kind of like how I said for Star Wars last time. 
I think with this, though, is going, like, out of its way to really be different, because it's taking place in the 90s. I'm looking at IMDb. It's doing Maximals, Predacons, uh, Terracons. I love the director. He directed Creed 2, which I thought that was a great movie. Anthony Ramos is great. Dominique Fishback, I saw her in Judas and the Black Messiah, and she was great in that. And I think the idea of just really separating itself from those first five movies in, like, the farthest way possible, it has me excited, so I'm going to give it a yay. My problem with this is that it is taking place in the 90s and not like originally in its time like it's supposed to. I think it'd be more but, fascinating to see a like, Beast Wars movie. Yeah, but Bumblebee worked really well despite having a human character like, you know, being the lead, of course. Right. So, whatever. It's kind of my vibe right now. It's whatever. <laughs> and next news is Titans. Titties. Nope. That, that's not this kind of podcast. Well, actually, it soon will be because two, two, uh, <laughs> a few topics from now, we're talking. A different topic like that. Titans season three trailer happened, and they wrapped filming. So we have not. Wa- I have not watched Titans season two past episode one. Josh has seen both seasons of Titans. I loved the first season of Titans. I thought it was a unique a breath, of, breath of fresh air for like DC superheroes and like the television, because Flash and Arrow and all that shit of the Arrowverse has gotten sillier the past few years. I liked the tone of Titans season one. I didn't love their characterization of Dick Grayson overall but in general is a funge and well put together shows building toward a lot of cool things with the church of blood and trigon and then that went nowhere and trigon died in like one second when just raven just touched him okay i have seen season two it's great i I love the mm -hmm. cast i love certain things but overall it is a mess and i think it has to do with the writing staff with whatever direction they wanted to go it just seemed like they had 50 million things they wanted to do and they decided to do them all and that (laughs) sucks for the cast because like it's a really great cast like i don't think there is a poorly cast person in this show i think everyone does an amazing job but to see them get handed like this stuff it just makes me sad and so the third the trailer for titan season three came out and it is teasing the red hood storyline which sean described the red hood storyline Curran walters who plays jason todd from his first minute on screen in that show was the most perfect casting i've seen of a play a dc character period he is so obnoxious like not the not the actor the character the way he portrays him was so well done he had the perfect face for jason the demeanor the attitude of his lines the way he delivers them great jason todd the first time I saw Jason Todd, I'm like, cool, when can we kill him? Because I don't like Jason Todd as Robin ever. I don't, I think he's annoying, and I want to get to the, the better part of the story, which is when he dies. And so the Red Hood storyline, which is going to happen in season three, is when the Joker brutally murders him with a crowbar, and then either a bomb or a fire, depending on the version, but usually an explosion of some sort happens far away, like in a warehouse or a shatter building, with Jason Todd's mother tied up by there watching it happen it's really messed up long story short jason todd was trying to find his birth mother around i think he was in egypt somewhere i don't know where it was she ratted him out to the joker his mother ratted him out to the joker to then have them both tied up and he was beating with a crowbar while batman couldn't get there in time and he would bloody pulp on the ground barely alive but still quipping like a, like a madman he exploded he dead dead 
the very famous cover of the next issue is Batman carrying the bloody body of Jason Todd at burnt and bloody and damaged out with his hands and like crying and like I could have saved you but it was too late and then Jason Todd becomes the Red Hood which you might think he's dead which yes he is dead how does he do this it, it varies by writer sometimes it's, it's a mysterious Lazarus pit by Rachel Ghoul in Nana Parbat that brings back to life as like a favor to Batman sometimes it's just like Weird Infinite Crisis. Crisis on Infinite Earths also did stuff. Sometimes it's like reality is hitting things. It's confusing. Sometimes he was never dead and actually buried alive. That version is terrifying because he was buried alive and crawled himself out. But then he takes on the persona of the Red Hood, who is basically, what if Nightwing used guns? Because <laughs> that's scary as shit. And Red Hood is a also a moniker of a crime gang used by once by the Joker. This version of Red Hood is usually with the leather jacket and a red bat-ish emblem on his chest with a red, I want to say motorcycle helmet to best describe it. It's usually like fiberglass, skullish shaped helmet. And it's him going through Gotham City and just murdering the shit out of people. But in the name of justice and blackmail and mercenary and it's, he's a fascinating character. But he's more interesting as Red Hood than he is as Robin. I love the storyline of the Joker beating him and Batman trying to save him but can't. And it's a really fascinating story. And I'm excited to see it explored in this because there's definitely some crowbar happening in this trailer. My favorite thing, whenever we would talk about, before this trailer even came out, we both knew that at some point they were going to do this. You were always saying he ha it has to be the crowbar. If it's not the crowbar, then what's the point? And just... To to me, just like hearing the, the little satisfaction is just like, yes, the crowbar is kind of funny to me. It's like if the Wayne's parents weren't killed by a gun, but instead of the boomerang, it just feels wrong. Some details are so iconic in how they're done. Mm -hmm. You need to keep the way it is. Mm -hmm. The imagery is so visceral and so like, disturbing. Keeping Joker beating into death is what makes that moment so important to Batman. It's the way that Joker treated the second Robin. I just had a thought that you're not going to like, but I think this is probably most definitely the way they're going to go. It will not be Batman uh, there carrying out Jason's corpse. It will be Nightwing. Yeah. I guarantee, 100% guaranteed that is how it, it is going to it happen. It probably will. And I'm not honestly too, too mad at that part. Because now in the show, they've built a connection with, with Dick and Jason more, I'm assuming. Do you want me to tell you what happens at the end of season two? Not, like, with, at least with Jason. Not, I know they have, at least in season one, a connection. Bare minimum. Uh, they have a slight, we're working together. I have a bond, and there's a responsibility at place, at least a little bit. We carry the same moniker, that kind of thing. It's better than if it was, like, Barbara Gordon. Mm -hmm. I'm fine with it being Dick or Bruce, but it doesn't matter either way. But yes, you're 100% right. It's probably going to be Nightwing carrying him out. Ian, whatever his name is, is too old to be carrying out. Yeah. That man does not look like Batman. And what's what's funny to me about that is the first episode of season two, Jason's at the Wayne Manor by himself. And the reason is that Batman is fighting with the Justice League somewhere. I'm just like, he's fighting in his old age? Like, he's going to break a few hips. What? <laughs> he's got that BVS Batman suit, man. He better. <laughs> I do want to watch the show at some point. I was more so disappointed. I loved the first season we were going with it. That the sharp change was probably also DC's doing. Oh, easily. Um, not the writers wanting to make these changes necessarily. 
and I'm sure all the actors gave it their best when they were giving. Poor Donna Troy, though. I know about that part. A little ironic given her character and how she is in power-wise. The best thing about that was when that episode came out, that was when, like, around the same time the first Wonder Woman 1984 trailer came out. That kind of moment, like, of her in the sky with the lightning. And then you compare that to what happened to Donna Troy yeah. is really funny to me. <laughs> you all should watch Titans just for that one moment, because I... The irony of what happens to someone in that show is oof. Anyway, uh, yay or nay for wrapping filming a season three in, in the trailer as a whole? Uh, I guess I'll give it a yay for wrapping filming, but probably a nay for the trailer just because like it's clearly wanting to set up the Red Hood story as being the main thing, but that's not what it's going to be. It's going to be another Deathstroke side thing where he's not really going to be a prominent threat throughat the whole thing and it, the prominent threat's going to be Sti Starfire's sister uh, which kind of right? yeah, yeah which kind of sucks because I think that Red Hood would be the more interesting choice at least with what they've already set up to explore as the villain but also a problem with that is is that if it was still the smaller team from season one, it would work way better. But now we have like 10 plus people on the team oh. and going against Red Hood with all of them would be way too easy of a fight. Well, I don't think Red Hood would work as a season one villain. I think you have to have the like midway point be the, the death of Robin and the finale would be him coming back as Red Hood. I don't think I don't think it would work as a full season. The introduction of that character shouldn't be. We saw how they did so well with the beginning of season two. And... Trigon. I'm so mad. I love that villain so much. I'm so upset. Also, why was he bald? Why was... He has iconic white hair. Trigon was done dirty in Titan Season 1, Episode 1. What model... I mean, Season 2. Season 2, Episode 1. I'm giving it I'm a keeping my ex I'm keeping my expectations low. <laughs> and again, this is no hate to Titans or the cast or crew or even like the staff as a whole. Because I know they're doing a good job of what they can do, but I know there's... There's creative to... decisions being made that we don't know exactly whose choice it is. Especially, like, with the amount of new characters we're getting, with the multiple villains we're getting. Who's making these choices and why? Great costumes, though. Oh, great costumes. I love the costumes. They're great. So, Harrison Ford is a man who done, who did something. <laughs> uh I, okay, so they're filming Indiana Jones 5. James Mangold's directing it. Harrison Ford is back. Mads Mikkelsen is in it. Phoebe Waller-Bridges, she's in it. Boyd Holbrook is in it. Great cast. Uh, excited for the movie. Wait, why where, where's is... my man Mutt? Where's Shia <laughs> Not here, for probably a lot of different reasons. So recently, today even, Harrison Ford injured himself while rehearsing for a fight scene. This He wasn't filming the fight scene. He, this was just rehearsal for it. And... This man is almost 80 years old, and you are still having him do action scenes like this? Guys, he is old. Even he knows, like, he should not be doing this. He clearly loves the character, and I'm all for him doing a Logan type of story with Indiana Jones. I know that's what it's actually going to be. But he cannot do heavy stunts and action work. He just can't. He injured himself while just rehearsing. We don't even know how intense it was. It could just have been him practicing throwing punches and you know, him just like dislocating his shoulder or something. He's old, guys. He should not be doing this. It's not a way to give this news the A or nay. I mean, it's nay because it's sad. I don't want to see Harrison Ford get injured. Yeah. They got away with it in Force Awakens. If he was doing any action, it was just him shooting. But like this, Indiana Jones has always been heavy on like physical action. But his last two franchise films he's done, he's gotten hurt. Yeah, For Force Awakens, it was, he got his, what was it? He got his foot caught on, like, the Falcon door. Something like that. Nay, don't get hurt again, please. Nay, 
I hope that it's not going to be super action heavy and will be more like Logan because that getting Mangold to direct it seems like that's kind of what they want to do. And also Boyd Holbrook is also in it. So that's just kind of fun. He's in both Logan and this. So I wonder if he's playing another cyborg uh, type villain. Not aliens. Don't don't do the aliens. The communists, him fighting them like that was fine. But then the aliens, it was just like, what are you doing? But to be fair, the only movies in the entire franchise where Indiana Jones being there or not matters is Temple of Doom and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Otherwise, the events will remain unchanged. I can show you a whole article of proving that point, Josh. Oh no, I can I can completely see that. 100% agree with you. Just thinking about uh, Raiders and Last Crusade, like, yeah, that uh, that's kind of funny to think about. So next up, we have uh, Kevin O'Feigle. Kevin Feige, the director of Marvel Studios. The president? What? See, president. Direct, okay. He makes the decisions. This is about a quote from him about Wanda Maximoff post WandaVision going into Doctor Strange 2 Multiverse of Madness, which he's also in. The quote reads, This Scarlet Witch is essentially the backbone of this movie. Lizzie did so amazing portraying this powerful nexus being that's destroying the world trying to find hers. That's a big piece of news there. That, that makes is, me more excited. That is a confirmation on two different things. Or three different things, really. So first off, she is unraveling a lot of things here, probably. Yeah. This is cool. It makes me excited. So, spoilers for WandaVision right here. If you've not seen WandaVision, skip ahead to the next segment about Batman and Catwoman. Okay. <laughs> so, she had children. <laughs> not real children. Not with the sex and all that that comes with making children. Well, she probably had the sex, but didn't have, you know, with... But yeah, she didn't... She did give birth... No. She gave birth to children, and she had sex, but they did not correlate. <laughs> it was just like, she had sex, one, then one day passed, and she had babies. Anyway... That's not the important part of this podcast right now. That's next That's next segment. <laughs> so, her destroying the world trying to find hers is what really sticks out to me here. Because she's looking for her, her babies. Also, the word Nexus is being brought up an awful lot now. He called her Nexus Being. In Loki, they refer to the Nexus as a hub of a multiverse kind of thing. In WandaVision, they had an, a Nexus pill, depression kind of ad. Mm-hmm. We have ties to Loki and WandaVision with the word Nexus. And going forward, now it's Doctor Strange. I'm excited to see the, her destroy the world to find hers, honestly. I'm all for it. Yes. I mean, she should be in prison right now, honestly, for what she did. <laughs> but beside that, let's let her agree. Let's let her find some kids. Go steal some kids. <laughs> Go steal your kitties. What What a quote. <laughs> Go steal some... Put guys put on a t-shirt quoting me. Go steal some kids. Also, for legal reasons, this is a joke. <laughs> yay yay i think it'll be cool to see her do all this kind of stuff so my guess is from this is that she's kind of gonna sort of be the villain ish for dr strange 2 or at least well, at least we know dr strange is going to be trying to stop her um we don't what know she's doing even. we don't know for sure even we given know. the description that feige's given that might be where they're going i don't know if she's gonna be like the villain but she will be some threat next up is about harley quinn show again with kite man great show Tosh, this is some <laughs> interesting news and it was a pretty big controversy on twitter mostly honestly it was a stupid controversy yeah. though that's what makes it great so if you are under the age of let's say 15 16 don't listen to this part and skip ahead to the main topic because this is going to get a little sexual this is going to entice them even more now 
Hey, Dad, don't listen to this part. <laughs> Skip this part, please. Let's talk about oral sex. <laughs> there's no, there's no better way to start this topic I'm... than by starting with that. How else would Josh? Let's be real. It's not. There's, there's no other way you could start it. So the, the controversy is, is for Harley Quinn season three, there is supposed to be a sex scene between Batman and Catwoman. And at one point, Batman was going to perform oral sex on Catwoman and have Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers shot this down. They were like, no, he can't do Wait, that. Was it WB or was it DC? One of the two. One of the two. Okay, it, said was, it. it was DC Entertainment. Okay. But they said Batman doesn't do that. Probably the best direct quote from it is heroes, heroes don't, don't do, do that. that. Which that is what caused the giant controversy. They did not just state that Batman's a character that mostly children watch or play games with or stuff. They were like, no, heroes don't do that. You could not have phrased it in a dumber way. What are you doing? This show is on HBO Max. It's not on a, on a kids network. This is a show it, that is very hard on. They curse all the time. It's bloody. The first episode, there's like heads being blown off. It is made for adults from the get-go. No child should be watching it. <laughs> we see like entrails. We see guts. We, this is a very gory television show. The, the scene in question was Batman performing oral sex on Catwoman. Like, blocked by DC Entertainment because the quote was, heroes don't do that. This brings up way more questions. Uh, that implies every DC superhero does, is a selfish lover. Yep. None of them, oh, which I don't believe at all. First off, not, not, uh, not in the slightest. Aquaman definitely does that. Oh, easily. Every version of the character. He's already wet. <laughs> One of my favorite responses to this was it was either a writer or an artist for that's drawn for Batman. Uh, he was just like, yes, he, his mask is specifically designed to do that. Why do you think there's a hole around the mouth and why he has the long ears he to grab onto? Handles. What else is the purpose of it? Also, I was just like, that is the best response. I love how Zach Steiner tweeted out just the word canon with a picture of it. I got to give respect to him for doing that. Even at this point, he realized that the reality of getting the other Justice League movies are probably not going to happen. So he just said, fuck it and did that. Batman is a very explicitly sexual character. All yes. the time. <laughs> like, he, he has he has the sex. He does it. The man fucks. This as a whole is stupid, because this thing definitely fits in this show. 100%. Oh, easily. And why was this denied? Yet the grooming of a child in the movie adaptation of the Killing Joke book added a Batgirl Batman sex scene on a rooftop. And that the was okay. There are so many weird choices that DC has made when it comes to, like, mature content. You can have super violent, dark, gritty stuff. Like, you can show Batman murdering people. You had the really mature Batman comic that came out, what, like, two years ago where they showed his penis. That's fine. But Batman performing oral sex on Catwoman, no, no. That's where we draw the line. I hand stuff or, like, oral or, like, anything that's not explicitly sexual intercourse is not okay probably we probably wouldn't have even seen it it probably just would have been we showed like the upper half of like catwoman or something like that his chin might be wet there are so many ways you can do it very subtly and it'd be fine yeah and it's for a joke probably anyway oh it has like, to it doesn't be. even matter <sighs> like val kilmer even tweeted about this who played batman in batman forever saying that it probably happened with him because his version oh. of the character, Chase, uh... Meridian, Chase Meridian. You are lingerie on the rooftop at night trying to get with Batman. It's it's so funny, but 
just like why did they phrase it as heroes they don't, don't do, that. do that? It's because why it also calls any person who is reads DC comics who happens to commit that sexual act is no longer in their eyes a hero. What what are they doing? I think if there's <laughs> any hero in DC that I know of that I can see that probably wouldn't do that would be Superman. Come on. I need to show you a picture then of Lois Lane in a comic book because there is a time where she talks about how satisfied she is about him. It is implied that he has done a lot to her, for her sexually. Okay, fine. I'll, I'll rephrase my answer. I can see Cavill doing it. I don't think I can see most other versions of Superman doing it. What about Brandon Routh? Depends on the version. <laughs> Kingdom Come version is too old to not have done it. <laughs> this conversation. I'm so sorry, viewers. This is this is probably the best discussion we've had because it's so stupid. Oh um, lord! This will probably be cut out partly. I'm so sorry. I don't. I don't care. I'm having a great time. <laughs> this whole thing. It's it's so, it's so stupid. stupid. Like not once would this have ever come up in any kind of normal conversation, but now it's become a huge meme. A yay or nay on this news? I don't know what I to know give it. Give like I want to give it a yay because like the Hilarious. backlash and the memes is amazing, but I want to give it a nay because just like this is the stupidest thing. Almost every sexual act has happened with almost every superhero canonically in comics at some point. As as Thor said in Ragnarok, because that's what heroes do. That's the way to yes. Nay, let Batman and Catwoman have the fun. Yes. Our main topic today is about Barry Alun. Baruloon, Barry Allen, Sasha Cal, Ezra Miller, Michael Keaton, Callie? Is it Cal? So the Flash movie is filming, and there's pictures at least of set pictures. And we have a theory. Barry Allen is in a suit. Ezra Miller is in a ill-fitting suit, which I'm assuming is probably his dad's. That'd be cute. Probably. He's in a look like at a city hall or doing something. He also has on his, on his finger a flash ring, which in the comics, and I think on the CW now, it is a ring that contains his suit, meaning it's no longer the same metal suit, Josh. <laughs> so the flash I ring love that. Uh. is a small shrunken suit with speed force stuff, which is very vague. So it shoots out of the ring and with super speed quickly changes into it, which is pretty cool. Like The idea is fun. It's, mm -hmm. com it's compact and lightweight, and it goes back into his ring when he's done. But how does he get it back in? Because it, it fires it out. But does he just stuff it back in his ring? How does that work? I don't know. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, the flash ring is cool. If he's getting a new suit, that makes sense to have. A new suit's going to happen. And it's also a rumor a while ago was that uh, Batman, Ben Affleck, or Michael Keaton will be making it for him. If this, if this movie is following a flashpoint, it does not seem to be showing that at all. Michael <laughs> Keaton's back. He looks too too old to be batman now it's probably a dark knight returns kind of thing because in dark knight returns like he has gray hair that's true a bat car so we see michael keaton's version of batman in this and he's also wearing a suit just not like a bat suit but just a regular suit we see him at with his i think dark knight returns style car that's kind of cool batman returns which is the sequel to yeah. Bat. there's batman from 1989 with michael keaton and batman returns from i think 91 with Michael Keaton, and then Joel Schumacher took over when Michael Keaton and Tim Burton left. This stays in the Batman Returns Batman 1989 world, which we have questions because Laura Lane Kent. Laura Lane, okay, the Supergirl, Sasha Cal, Callie. We see her on, in a harness wearing a Superman suit in the air, fly, Supergirl suit flying around. 
She has a CGI cape. The suit does not look like a typical Cara Danvers suit. Cara Danvers no. is the main Supergirl most people know, like in the show, from most comic books, from most cartoons. She's the one who's like blonde and with the red skirt and uh, Kal-El Clark Kent's cousin from Krypton. This is different. Uh, people say that this suit is not very comic accurate. And on the contrary, it's incredibly comic accurate, but not to the cousin of Clark, but to Clark's daughter. In the Injustice Gods Among Us comic, Lois Lane was pregnant with a baby a Joker killed? From the game, it was yeah. Joker used Scarecrow's fear toxin on Superman to make him think that Lois right. was Doomsday, so he killed her by throwing her into space, and then afterwards he realized, oh, that was Lois, and that's what makes him evil Superman. And in the Snyder Cut, spoiler alert, Lois was pregnant, which leads us to a point soon, but Laura Lane Kent is the dream version of Supergirl that Clark has an injustice. Clark dreams of a life where this didn't happen like this. And he dreams of his daughter growing up and becoming Supergirl. She has short, kind of wavy black hair. She has the exact suit that Sasha Kelly is wearing. But why? Why in this world do we have not Kara Danvers? And it leads us to the question, because in the Snyder Cut, like we said, there is a there is a dream sequence, but not of where things went well, where Lois Lane was dead, and also where Superman's evil. Which leads us to believe one thing, Josh. The Flash movie is erasing the Snyder Cut's nightmare timeline and creating their own. And it's probably a stupid idea, but, but hear us out. It's not too far-fetched. DC wants to erase, very clearly, the Snyder Cut, the Snyder era of DC. So Man of Steel, BBS, and Justice League. There's a very big rumor that the scene we saw that Seth was from was the last scene in the movie. It's in the current DCEU where Superman is being replaced with Supergirl and Ben Affleck being replaced by Caden's Batman as the new part of the team. After the Flashpoint, after this time travel event, which, if that happens, fine, I guess. It's not what I wanted at all. <laughs> keep Henry, keep Ben, make it still happen. So if this rumor is true, that means that they are officially erasing the Snyder era, making what we say even more potentially true. Yeah. And what kind of led us to this was the Flashpoint is about like how Barry goes back in time to save his mom, mess up the timeline. But in Injustice, it's parallel dimensions that are occurring. And Flash travels from his dimension to the Injustice one to help them stop evil Superman and all this kind of stuff. So it's not far-fetched to think that he, in this one, because of the Nightmare timeline, he travels to another dimension to try to get a different Batman, a Supergirl, these other kind of things, and try to bring them to help him. And effectively erasing the Nightmare timeline in some way or fashion. There's a lot of minute details and other things to think about. I wouldn't put it past them to try something like this. And because in the Nightmare sequences, which again, were only Ben Affleck, Bruce Wayne's dreams that we saw. Yeah. Just dream. When Laura Lane Kent, which is who we very much see Sasha looking like, dream world daughter of Clark and Lois, and Lois is dead. And the Snyder Cut, that's kind of what happens in the yep. future meaning this could be the offspring of the snyder cut and then erase it yeah ben affleck's batman you still have ezra miller's flash it's not far-fetched to say that there's going to be a moment in the movie where ben affleck is near death or something like that and he tells barry that just traveling back in time isn't going to do it we tried that and it didn't work use the speed force travel to a different dimension and bring back help they get yeah. ben back for solely another nightmare sequence scene without Zack snyder I'd be very upset 
again, we have nothing to actually confirm this. No. But with how Warner Brothers has been treating Snyder, I, I would not put that. it past him to do something this petty and low. Because Snyder was definitely going toward an Injustice-style movie. Oh, very much so. It definitely would have been different, but that core idea of Lois's death and then the destruction of Metropolis, but now instead, like, you know, the world would lead him to being evil, that is 100% injustice. Also, another thing to consider, in the BVS Nightmare sequence, Superman had an evil army. In the Injustice game, he had an evil army. He was going for injustice. Like, there was definitely a lot of details that changed, but injustice was what was on his mind. So for them to continue that in a sort of way with this, but to also erase what Snyder was going to do, is something that I could see Warner Brothers wanting to do. Why is Michael Keaton here, then? This doesn't belong. Why is Sasha... This is, this is a weird thing for a Flash movie. This yes. is like Flash in the way that Cat America Civil War is about Cat America. Like, yeah, it's from his point of view, but it's not about Cat America. Yeah, I think Flash is going to be the catalyst for the plot to, of course, move forward. And, like, we're going to be joining the ride for him with him. But this is not really a Flash movie and story. Like, and yes, like, his parents are going to be in it. But, again, to what end? How big are their roles actually going to be? Also, if it's a Flashpoint story, like, a true Flashpoint story, then kind of important. But if they're going for this injustice kind of thing, not important. <laughs> if there's no Eobard Thawne, it's not Flashpoint. The, the Abarthon is the reverse Flash. He is the one who kills Barry's mom, who get his dad framed for the murder without Eobarthon, without reverse Flash, which, again, was kind of set up because of Justice League, both versions. You won't really have Flashpoint or pretty much any basis for a strong Flash story at this point without a confirmed casting or even rumors of a casting, really. It's making it weirder, making us think it's even less Flashpoint and even more Injustice. Do you like the suit? The Sasha Kelly suit? Oh, I think it's a great suit. With all DC movies, their suits are great, and I think this is a great one. Like, it looks similar to Cavill's, but again, its design is still different. That you could say it's Kryptonian, but something is off about it, but in the right kind of way. See, here's the thing with me. Also, this is a, clearly a stunt suit, not the official suit, because she's on wires and using it like that. Mm -hmm. I do think that Cavill's suits, even stunt suits, did look better. Because it's a different, different costume designer. It's not Michael Wilkinson again. I wish the emblem was raised and not part of like not like a spandexy thing. Mm -hmm. But that being said, because if it is really the daughter of them, it might not be a Kryptonian suit. It might be a, a suit she made based on her dad's suit. That is that is also true. That also just this is a weird this this isn't related to it, but the same thing I can ask about like Superman suits. Who's the tailor on that Kryptonian ship that has a suit that's perfectly made to the size of Superman? Because it's not just like a one-size-fits-all thing. Like, it's clearly made for his body. So, like, who's been keeping tabs on his measurements? Like, what? what's with that? That's uh, that's the only thing I'm going to say. <laughs> many fangirls have been. Anyway. Ah, that, that sounds about right. But no, I we had problems with the suit a little bit at first. I'm like, this doesn't look nearly as detailed or as, like, thick as the Kryptonian suits. So, like, even on Krypton, all the women did not. They had their clothing was still much more layered and textured and detailed whereas this looks like a like a spider-man spandex suit kind of thing a different take i had to get used to it if this was if this is truly his daughter it makes more sense than his cousin yeah if it's not kara if it's kara i'm confused yeah if it's if we find out it's kara and it, like they just took the design from the other supergirls just like uh, and it leads to more like what are you doing I like, mean, what's happening? If that happens, I'm not going to be too mad either, because like, it's happened before in comics and movies all the time, where people take, like, Scott Lang's design 
in uh, Ant-Man is pretty much Hank Pym's Ant-Man design instead. Yeah. But if it's Kara, it's just like, okay, we're all wrong, we're wrong with all of this. But if it is Lara, then the costume makes more sense to not be super Kryptonian looking. Mm. But she kept the cuff design kind of. She kept the emblem sort of. It's a little bit different, but it's mostly the same. Also, the writing on it is a different message than Kal-El's. The creator of the Kryptonian language, Man of Steel, confirmed that. Again, just another way Warner Brothers keeps screwing over Snyder's films in different ways that we could not have thought of. Any other thoughts on anything here? My guess is she's kind of filling that cyborg role because cyborg is also he's prominent in both uh, injustice and flashpoint so that was that's probably the role that she's filling of course we have no idea like if she was originally in the movie before cyborg before he left the project we don't know hold on, hold on, hold on. um let the project is too nice i oh. yeah yes besides all that i'm still very worried about this movie that it just doesn't know what it's trying to be and that Warner brothers they're not saying that they have their hands like all in but we know that they do we know that they do because before this version is was even being filmed way back in the day before justice league came out i think there were always rumors it was going to be a flashpoint movie yes that uh, was the correct i was it was always supposed to be yeah and doing that before Justice League is a fine idea. I don't have anything wrong with that. But then after everything that happened with Justice League, it raises a lot more concerns of mine of them doing that. And that they're just going to pull an X-Men Days of Future Past just to erase those movies, to have a clean slate. But uh, I'm very, very, very nervous about this movie. I'm keeping my expectations low. I want to give Andy credit. I want to be hopeful. But also at the same time, like I, I want to keep my expectations low. I'm excited because I'm so confused. I love the Flash as a character. Always, always have. I was more excited from the confusion. Now I'm more worried from the confusion. <laughs> Yay or nay on all of this. Just as a whole. The Flash stuff. Quick, go. It's gonna... It's, it's just gonna be a nay. <laughs> I can't give it a yay just for so many different reasons. I want the movie to be good, but as it stands right now, I am confused and I am worried. I'm gonna give a yay for one reason. Not a, not a good reason. I'm, gonna be, I'm giving it a yay because I want us to be right. Not because I want, not because I actually want us. I don't want what I said to come true, but I want us to be right about something. That would be cool because if we are right about this, we're probably one of the first people to have this idea, which would be really cool. Speaking of Superman and Batman, all these fun characters, let's head over to Marvel, okay? Wow, that's not DC. So super weird characters, Josh. Who is it going to be this week? So this is about Marvel, but about not in the comic world as much, in the real world. Ew. I'm talking about Stanley Lever. Stan Lee himself. Hey, that's he, a famous he's person. He's had a few different shows. You don't know that. There was Stan Lee's Superhumans, which is actually a really cool show about real people with, with kind of-ish powers, like mutants, but like not mm. quite mutant level. Like the fastest man in the world. That's not this show. That might be a different story for another week. This is about a different show called Who Wants to Be a Superhero? Ah. What do you think this is about, Josh? I don't know. I want to say it's like some kind of game show, like in the vein of like Jeopardy or something like that. But it's probably not that at all. What What is this? It was, Who Wants to Be a Superhero is a superhero genre reality TV series broadcast on the Sci-Fi Channel. Produced by Nash Entertainment and POW Entertainment. POW Entertainment is Stanley's network, his company. So it was created by Stan Lee and National Entertainment 
and a junior version of the show was broadcast on the BBC2 channel in the UK. The premise of this, potential contestants auditioned as their superhero selves with costumes and everything. The final 10 selected were then placed in common quarters like any of the reality shows are all in the same house kind of thing. Mm -hmm. The contestants were then tested for superhero traits. What does that even mean? What I'm does that shock. mean? Like, uh, Lee was the only judge. That's <laughs> wild to me. And would instruct the eliminated contestant to turn in your costume, as he said. That's kind of... I would hate being told by Stan Lee to turn in my costume. But, I mean, he kind of knows what he's talking about. If you were just a cosplayer, imagine Stan Lee asking and saying, you don't, you don't deserve to wear that costume. So painful. He also mentored the contestants and made appearances, primarily on TV screens, not in person, on a giant plasma at the top of a tower block. What? When, uh, when did this come out? Um, One second. I can pull that information up right now for you. 2006 to 2007. Oh, my. That that sounds like a very, like, 90s thing to do, like, have him appear on, like, the TV screens. But it also does sound like a mid-2000s kind of thing it as well. two seasons. It had two seasons? Uh -huh. He appeared to the contestants on TV screens atop of a tower block monitor resting in the middle of a pile of trash or on individually <laughs> issued communicators. What? What is, what is this? <laughs> the winner's character concept would be the star of a Stanley scripted Dark Horse comic book and of a TV movie for the Cypher channel. That's kind of cool. That, that is cool. So basically you're just pitching a character, but you have to be the character. That's not, that's not bad. Imagine like you win and then you get the TV movie for you, but you're not the one playing them. That's probably how it would be though. Stanley and Bruce Nash developed the concept, but in 2004, MTV was considering televising the show and even holding oh, no. They almost held regional auditions. Oh no. Uh, the show moved to the sci-fi channel two years later with the pitch well received when they uh, were told that Stan would judge. The show was renewed for a second season with hints of another country might get a junior version of the show. Jarrett Crippen, a.k.a. The Diffuser, won the second season. Congrats to you, Jarrett Crippen, a.k.a. The Diffuser. This is fascinating to me. Each episode was 60, min 60 minutes long. There were seven episodes, uh, 14 episodes total, so seven each season. What in the hell? What? You know you're making a mistake if MTV, the creators of Jersey Shore, wants to do your show. And they drop like, out. You're, yeah, you're making some mistake. Do you want to hear some of the concepts of characters? Please. So, uh, the character called Feedback, they're a male character. Mm -hmm. uh, to absorb power from video game characters, slash generate a feedback field that disrupts electronics within 15 feet, slash computer genius. There are two slashes in there. Choose one power. Like, number one, the sucking up video games thing, like, that sounds weirdly difficult to do. Right. How would you write that? How, how do you do that? <laughs> and what happens when you suck them up? Do you, like, spit them back out, or is this a Kirby situation? There's a character on here called Rodiart that was just a spy slash plant for Stan Lee and not a true contestant. <laughs> okay, that's pretty funny. <laughs> I love that, actually. <laughs> spy slash Please, wait, am I just imagining, like, a plant, like, with sunglasses on her, or was this a real person? Real person. Sorry. Like a, like a... Damn it, that would have been really funny if it was just a plant with sunglasses. Feedback is, looks like, who actually won the whole thing for season one. Interesting. The person who got out the first round was called Levity, 
and they created a force field and had aerokinesis. What the hell is aerokinesis? It's like airbending. Ow. If they had force shields and airbending, that'd be dope. Then Nitro G lost in the second round. They had super strength, super speed, flight, and can manipulate energy. That's too many things. Yeah, like, already, like, so many of these is just, you have so many, choose one, maybe two. Like, Fantastic Four, you have Stretchy Guy, you have Clear Girl, you have Hot Man, you have Rock Man. Rafe person lost in round three. Who was this? Cell Phone Girl. Oh, no. How did they not lose the first round? Uh, they could teleport from one cell phone to another. Eyes can take digital photos. She can mentally download information from one computer. She could use cell phone waves to move objects and shoot laser beams. Wait, what? That escalated quickly. Those powers aren't bad. It's the name that's bad. It's also the the list of power. They don't all go together. Yeah. Cell phone like, girl's the, not a good the, name. The idea of like traveling, being able to travel between like cell phone could actually like be really handy, especially these days because cell phones are way more prominent now than they were back in 2006-7. One problem with that is how do you make that a power? Like besides, like, besides just technology, how cell phones specifically become your power does not make sense to me. No. She completed her superhero task in round two, though. That's kind of cool. And But in round three, she was eliminated, so that sucks for her. In round... Oh, no, no, no. So in round four, the person was eliminated, was nominated to be eliminated all three rounds prior. Oh, no. So they got close to losing each time before they got out. <laughs> That's a big oof right there. The Iron Enforcer. He had the densest bone structure of any humans. He had a death punch and various high-tech weapons. That seems practical and cool, actually. Yeah. That one which seems like it would work. Next up is, is Monkey Woman. But Monkey Woman. Skill, I, I heard you. Skills of a monkey is her first power. What? I, I guess I the don't. logic was like Spider-Man, Batman, Monkey Woman. That makes, I get the, the naming convention makes sense. Yeah, and I guess like it was more about the climbing and versatility aspect of it. Hold on, there's more. Oh, no. Skills of a monkey slash talks to monkeys. That makes sense. Uh, slash unless you're working exclusively in the jungle, that's not going to be that useful. Slash high-tech weapons disguised as bananas. Okay, then. That's like I a guess, squirrel girl kind of thing. I guess that helps with airport security. She also has a bamboo staff. There's so many high-tech weapons disguised as bananas, bamboo staffs. Just like, these are so many things. <laughs> the staff in Shyamalan movie After Earth, there's a staff kind of weapon that can transform into a bunch of different things. Like, it's one of the few decent ideas in that movie. If she, like, adopted that kind of idea, obviously this was before then, where the staff can have multiple different things, like that kind of stuff, you wouldn't need all the high-tech weapons disguised as bananas. Right. Like Daredevil's Billy Club. Yeah. So she was in the first round, fine. Nominated to be, to be eliminated in the second round. She completed her superhero task correctly the third round. Find the fourth round and was out the fifth. She had a roller coaster of emotions. Oof. Next up was a guy named Ty Veculus, who had super strength, super speed, fire resistance, and could detect lies. That's fine. I don't know the full pitch of these characters, of course. I just know it was a little bit. He seems fine. Next up was Creature, can heal others with fruit and raw foods. What? Oh, very specific. Very weird. That's called weird. Eating. <laughs> that's just how, that's what eating does uh, well not the raw not the raw food true they could shoot fire beams they have a magical bullwhip they throw knives and something precision unaring unaring or oh, what i do mm. not know but they got out 
uh, they were nominated to be eliminated the first round. Did not work for them. Then they were safe, and then the next round, nominated to be eliminated again. Then safe, then safe, then like got the green, completed task, and then we're out the next round. Oof. Okay, next one is called Lemuria. Lemuria shot lasers and fireballs. They have levitation, could drain energy from people, plants, and animals, could throw orbs of solar energy. Well, that's powerful. And they lasted a while. But why did the Iron Enforcer go out before them? That's dumb. They were I, not. I, I don't know. Lemuria was not nominated to leave once until they were out. So they were doing great. The third to last round, the character Major Victory. The fact that they didn't win is kind of sad. Yeah. They had super strength, flight, super jump, survive without air, supervision, and manipulate sound waves. So Superman, pretty much. Yeah. They were doing great until their last three rounds because they were nominated to leave, nominated to leave, and then out. This entire thing just sounds like the show Survivor, but those challenges that they're supposed to do on Survivor, like, just replace those with just like, oh, save me, major victory, that kind of idea. I would love if that's what this show was but this just kind of sounds like they stuffed them all in a home and were told do a task the person who came second place to winning runner-up was fat mama what fat mama could grow to five times her normal size when angry and eating a donut activated other powers that's vague what other powers <laughs> <laughs> it just has other powers other powers you don't want also, to find out neil wilson who was fat mama was at 2008 New York Comic Con. I had a booth. Wow. That's fun. What do you think of this, Josh? This is weird, and not in the good kind of way. If this was like a, a scripted reality show, like 100%, like this is supposed to be a mockumentary, I think it would be like really funny, but like actually like make them have these powers or things. But making it in real life just seems odd. They had to pretend to have these powers and things. It's just like, it has to be one of the most awkward things to watch. And then just stuffing them all in a house, telling them, like, you have this task to do and this task to do. It's weird. So, here's a fun fact, though. The top three winner, uh, winners, Feedback and Runner-Ups, Fat Mama and Major Victory, were made into action figures by Shocker Toys that you can buy. Oh, wow. The three finalists had their potential combo cover shown to them. That's so sad. So if you didn't win, you got your cover showed you in the end and said, I'm oh, not having this. Yeah. And then they had a challenge of getting a school children to vote for them after telling them their origin story. What? Oh, no. That's, it's, oh, no. Fat Mama won the children's vote. I wonder what her origin story was now. You want to watch it sometime, Josh? Oh, my. Maybe? <laughs> Season two had two or three villains, Dr. Dark and Beasting. And there was an overarching storyline in season two. Now that sounds more interesting. That was a super weird story of the week. What do you think about that? Definitely weird. I've yet to hear a weird story that has not been weird. That's kind of the point of the segment. Nothing's been as edgy as the first one, though. Nope. <laughs> I've been trying to make it more wholesome since then. But next week, I might make it super edgy, honestly. Oh, yay. This episode was mostly uh, superhero-related. Also, thank you all for listening to the podcast again. So, Josh, where can I find you and your other projects? Uh, the YouTubes at Josh Rudolph. Picture of me with a fake mustache and a hammer. Uh, Twitter at J underscore Rudy 28 and Instagram at J underscore Rudy 16. You can find me on Twitter at The Theater Nerd. Theater is an E-R, not R-E. You also can please send us in emails at nerdtalkproductionsyt at gmail.com. 
or tweet at us using hashtag geeksgeekpod or tweet us at nerdtalk underscore prod. And we will respond to all your tweets and talk about them on the podcast and stuff. That'd be great. Let's interact some more. It's been a very interesting podcast. It certainly has. All right. See ya. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.